Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am Jake Kokorowski. Here in Madison, Wisconsin, but in just uh, less than 48 hours, I'll be making my way to Chicago. Number 18, Wisconsin, taking on number 12, Notre Dame. A big non-conference matchup, another top 20 matchup for Wisconsin, who come into the, you know, comes into the game with a one-on-one record. We are joined. We're starting things off right off the bat here. Really excited to talk with them from our friends, our cousins, you know, Blue and Gold. They cover Notre Dame for the Rivals.com network. We got Patrick Engel on there. Patrick, how you doing, my friend? And, and quite a matchup ahead on Saturday. Yeah, doing well, Jake. Thanks for having me. And, you know, nothing like a, a big-time September non-conference game. One of the more, uh, I think, under underappreciated parts of uh, of college football season when you think about the playoff and all the rivalry games in, in, in conference and whatnot. So this is a year later than expected, but who cares? It's here. <laughs> Exactly. And of course, you know, they rescheduled the game for at Lambeau Field at, for 2026. Uh, you know, hopefully I'm still around on the beat for that because I've been up to Lambeau and covering a, a college football game back in 2016 when Wisconsin faced LSU. And that was quite the festive uh, environment uh, between the two fan bases. It's going to be, in my opinion, could be a really intriguing matchup down in Soldier Field. My first time covering a game at the home of the NFL's Chicago Bears. But, you know, we're talking about Notre Dame. They're coming in 3-0. and top 15 program. Everyone knows about Jack Cohn. We'll talk about him in just a little bit, but just through the first three games, they, they could have been one and two uh, with that, you know, overtime win against Florida state on the road, but then also against Toledo, you know, Jack Cohn, again, we'll talk about him later. Pops back his finger, throws a game winning touchdown pass. The lore of Jack Cohn in South Bend starts there. But what are your thoughts on this Notre Dame program three games in? Yeah, like you mentioned, the could be one and two, or at least very close to being one and two, I think is a good backdrop for how a lot of fans seem to view this season and 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 really even just from a removed point of view, view this season of three and zero, oh, but kind of with a nervous laughter backdrop where you still kind of wonder, like, all right, how how good is Notre Dame after you've seen uh, some of the close calls and then what some of those teams have looked like since those close calls, especially Florida State. 0-3 and, and losing to Jacksonville State and getting hammered by Wake Forest. And then Toledo putting up six points against Colorado State at home. And 3-0 and with nervous laughter, though, I think is a lot better a spot for Notre Dame to be in than 2-0 and with like legitimate real concern. And it kind of got to that point with a you know, not completely crisp, but a lot more good than bad win over Purdue where you saw the defense cut out a lot of the big play that it had allowed in the first two games and really be able to generate the consistent havoc it had even in the first two games, but that that's finally more noticeable when it's not kind of getting negated by some big plays. So a lot really to learn here about Notre Dame as a team and and really just what it has and, and what its ceiling is after a 
revealing three weeks, maybe not in necessarily the most comforting ways. Yeah, I feel that way with Wisconsin through its first two games where it should have won against Penn State in my eyes if they convert on at least one more red zone opportunity. They were one of four within the Penn State 20 in terms of actually scoring uh, points there. And, you know, I think it's going to be, a, I think, a statement game for both programs to see where they are heading into the rest of this season. And for Notre Dame, though, Jack Cohn has completed just under about 63% of his passes over 800 yards passing, a four to one touchdown to interception race ratio, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. We talked about his game winning touchdown pass against Toledo, but what have you seen from your perspective about, you know, Jack and what he has done in South Bend so far in, in terms of what he's done and, and, you know, has he carried the offense in your eyes? You know, coming in when Notre Dame got him, I, I liked the addition and, and thought there was a chance it could be more than a, game manager label that I think kind of Wisconsin quarterbacks publicly get, whether that's fair or unfair, it just seems to be kind of what it is. And that's largely been true where in, in a way he has kind of carried the offense, especially in that opener against Florida state where he threw for 366 yards and four touchdowns. And that's, I don't know that that's necessarily the healthiest thing, just considering that Notre Dame hasn't been able to run the ball and they want to be able to considering it has his, skilled a backfield probably as you'll find anywhere. And it just has not been able to block for those guys in a consistent manner. But Cone has been a, a been a big reason why they're sitting here three and oh, even if you want to pick all the holes in that, which is more than justifiable, uh, he's come up with some big throws and and been reliable in a big moment where you needed a big play. And we saw that against Forest State, saw that on that last drive against Toledo. I think right now Notre Dame's offensive strength that they've really leaned into, even last week where they didn't complete them, but sought them out as wanting to push the ball down the field, which not at all what it tried to do last year and not really what Cone did a whole lot of at Wisconsin. And I think that's going to be a big thing for if Notre Dame is going to be able to beat Wisconsin and, and just put up enough points is can he, can he hit some, just a couple of shot plays down the field and, and just to be able to get into the, the high teens or low twenties, which feels like it might be enough to win this game. But yeah, I, I think it's been a lot more uh, good than bad, even in the win over Peru, which is probably his worst game where he was just never quite in sync with his receivers, either you know, throwing to the wrong shoulder or missing a little bit high or, and then a couple of drops didn't uh, help him out either. But it's still a, a, a big deal with what he's been able to bring as far as verticality to an offense that, didn't really have it a year ago and now needs something like that uh, without really a consistent run game at this point. Now look going into the defensive side of the ball, obviously, you know, Marcus Freeman takes over as defensive coordinator and has a unit that's given up just under 27 points per game. Uh, big output against uh, well, Florida state had a big output rushing wise, 264 yards, the rush defense has been cleaned up a bit with only allowing 124 yards and 57 yards respectively to Toledo and Purdue uh, on that end. But there's also obviously an all American in safety, Kyle Hamilton, which, you know, you and I talked about it in our Q and a, he is fun to watch on film. Just what is your assessment so far of the defense and just what it could bring on Saturday? Yeah, I think that was a really important development for Notre Dame on 
uh, last weekend in beating Purdue, just to be able to have its defense clean up some of the bad angles and missed tackles that led to a lot of those uh, big plays that we saw in the first two games. And really just to give them some kind of thing it, that it thinks it can lean on as it goes into a pretty tough stretch of the schedule and as it goes into two games where you think they're going to be low scoring and you're going to need to get stops and you're going to want to put teams behind the chains and uh, get them in second and third and longs. And really in all three games, it's been pretty good at that, which is its ability to, it's a top 25 team in, in stuff rate, which I think gets lost with, okay, you see the big runs and for good reason that takes up a lot of the oxygen, but still the ability to stuff, uh, stuff run plays and, and be successful on first down. Uh, I think we've seen them pretty good at, good at, especially against Toledo, where even after some big Toledo plays, you'd get in the red zone and then a first down negative run or even Purdue, same kind of a situation where you get a first down negative run or an incomplete pass with some pressure and it immediately puts them off schedule and, and on an unsuccessful play. So that kind of identity for, I think has always been there, which is a, a defense that brings a lot of pressure disguises well, and is going to generate some havoc and big plays might be there on occasion and maybe even a little bit more frequently than they were under Clark Lee's defense. But if you're able to mitigate that with consistent havoc plays, you get what you saw out of the defense in that game against Purdue. Whereas if there's you know bad tackle tackling and a couple of bad angles that give up like big, big plays, like those 60 yards, it, it becomes a little bit of a wash. And that's how you get in those kind of precarious situations like they were in the first two weeks. And we're here with Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated, our rivals, cousins that cover Notre Dame athletics for, you know, on again, on the rivals network. Patrick, I was going to say, looking at maybe a player in particular, your X factor for me, I'm going to talk about it later in the show. I'm going to say inside linebacker, Leo Chanel, who Paul Chris, the head coach of Wisconsin mentioned that, you know, he foresees him practicing you know, on Monday. When I asked him, he foresaw, Chanel to be a full go for both practice and for the game on Saturday uh, and whatnot. And him and Jack Sanborn could be quite the combo in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, uh, on Saturday, but from the Notre Dame standpoint, who do you feel will be the X factor for the fighting Irish when they're inside soldier field? I really think it's Jack Cohn and mainly because I don't see Notre Dame being able to run the ball too effectively given its offensive line problems and given the defense it's facing. Like you, you mentioned a couple of those Wisconsin linebackers in the front seven. Like that's a, a, a whole different bear than what it's faced through three games this year. It's hard to just see how all of a sudden in this game, even with the freshman quarterback, Tyler Buckner package, and if he busts a 20 yard run or something where there's enough of a run threat to where that's a way they can consistently move the ball. And that really puts it on Cone's shoulders and in the receiver's shoulders. And uh, I guess if, when you look at Wisconsin's defense, the secondary is by no means bad, but certainly not the strength when compared to that front seven and one that we saw have a couple of breakdowns in that game against Penn State. So, and Notre Dame's got good pass catchers that have allowed that vertical offense to really show up. Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsey, really tough cover guys who have an element of physicality and run after the catch of their game. And then Michael Mayer is good at tight end, as you'll find in the country, that if he's being targeted heavily and in single coverage, really, really hard for anybody to guard him. And if he is attracting double teams like he did a lot against Purdue, 
that opens up some things for other receivers, uh, mainly Avery Davis, a slot receiver. He, he had single coverage because of the attention to Mayer when he caught a 62-yard touchdown last week. So but really, it's, it's on Cone to kind of shake off a game that really wasn't his best, to be able to feel pressure a little bit better than he has in these first few games and keep himself upright or do his part in keeping himself upright with shaky and inconsistent pass protection uh, a little bit around him and just be able to hit enough of those shot plays and deliver them on target. Even though there weren't too many of them against Purdue, when you count them up, they tried and there were open ones there that he he missed or there were drops. And in a game that we think is going to be low scoring, all it, it really matters just if you can hit, say, three of those more than the batting average on those, where if it takes you 10 tries to hit three and one of them is a 60-yard touchdown in a game that might be 20 to 17, that makes a pretty big difference. And if another is a 45-yarder that sets up a field goal or sets up a first and goal, that's, again, a, a big difference. So I, I really think it's Jack Cohn being able to make a couple of big throws and, and help generate and put the ball on the money on a couple of downfield shots if Notre Dame is going to want to score and, and end up in that high teens to low 20s points range if it wants to have a shot at winning. Patrick, one last question before we let you go for the day before I see you down in Chicago in, again, less than 48 hours. What's one thing that could change the complexion of the game from your standpoint when seeing both of these teams? Yeah, I think there was a, we spoke with Brian Kelly earlier today, Thursday, and he was asked to address some rumors about nose tackle Kurt Heinisch's status and didn't say that they ruled him out, but the opportunity was there for him to say, he's good. I don't know where these rumors came from. He's playing. And that wasn't what he said. So we'll see. And if that's the case, that's a big deal against a a team that really wants to run the ball and can run it well, like Wisconsin does. And Heinish is really big for them as they're starting nose tackle with his ability to take up double teams, his first step quickness that Notre Dame has the defensive line depth to replace him, but he's still a guy they trust to play a lot of snaps as a fifth year senior who's really, really skilled at being able to occupy space and, and become more of a, a backfield disruptor in, in recent seasons. So that would be a, I think a, a meaningful absence. If in fact, that's not, uh, if in fact he is not able to, to play for Notre Dame this weekend. Patrick, as always, man, it's been great talking with you over the summer. Uh, when we did our Q and a series, you, you, we had a great Q and a, you gave some great answers earlier this week on badgerblitz.com guys, go check that out, uh, both on our website and then also in our game center that we have, uh, our collection of articles, all conveniently centralized in, in one thread for you, for everybody. But Patrick, what else is going on for y'all, uh, over at blue and gold? What can fans expect from, from your coverage? Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's our, our usual, a uh, 56 page magazine that we put out the the day after the game. And a lot of that shows up on online the, uh, uh, after the game, of course, 11 AM local kick big for that. Where we go to sleep at a reasonable hour, but uh, yeah, we've, we've had some, uh, some things up on, on this game and then just on Notre Dame's uh, specific uh, developments here this week. I've got my usual Friday column that comes out uh, on Friday mornings where I kind of take a look at the, really the question I've been wondering with both of these teams is, how do they move the ball against each other? Or that's why I keep thinking low scoring game or 20 to 17 Wisconsin has been the pick I've been going with uh, all week, even though I feel like over the course of the week, I've sort of talked myself into being a little less confident in that, but mainly I, I just, I think it comes down to, I'm still not quite sure 
what Notre Dame is. But And then that's kind of something we've explored all week. But yeah, blueandgold.com, uh, myself and my colleague Tyler Horka will be on scene on Saturday for what should be a fun game. Patrick, thanks so much for your time, my friend. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, pay some bills with some ads, as always, because we like to get paid for that matter. We'll come back. I'll give my keys to the game, my X factor that I already mentioned here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, brought to you by Overtime Media. I'm Jake Kurowski, senior writer at Badger Blitz as part of the Rivals Network. And thank you all for tuning in. Big thanks to Patrick Engel from BlueAndGold.com. And just to make sure that everyone knows, uh, too, it's uh, they have BlueAndGold.com, which is part of the Rivals Network. It's the website you see. You know, you go to NotreDame.Rivals.com. Blue and Gold shows up. They also have Blue and Gold Illustrated, which is the magazine that Patrick alluded to earlier. So a lot of great content from our friends on the Rivals Network. Subscribe, because if you subscribe to BadgerBlitz.com, let me just tell you as well, not only do you get premium access to whatever's on BadgerBlitz.com, but you also get the chance to take a look at some of the premium discussions taking place over at other sites, like BlueandGold.com or The Wolverine, which is coming up next week and. Chris and others at the Wolverine doing a magnificent job over there. So again, uh, make sure you go to NotreDame.Rivals.com, BlueAndGold.com for more from Patrick, Tyler, Mike Singer. They have a great YouTube channel too with a lot of the, a lot of streaming, a lot of great content there. So check out everything over there. And uh, on that note, we'll get to my three keys of the game. Uh, big thanks again to everyone to listening on the show. Let's talk the first key to me and this is kind of a precursor or a sneak peek to my three keys that i give that'll be on the site saturday morning but uh as i'm starting to write them up uh our pre-snap read is what we call it and three keys that we have that i have right now for the game we'll start with number one uh create havoc in the backfield for notre dame and really simple reason why Wisconsin, even though they only have two sacks per game, they have been credited with 28 pressures according to Pro Football Focus. And so the pressure has been there. And they've been able to create havoc already against Penn State and against Eastern Michigan. However, uh, they do need to get home to the quarterbacks and create more plays that way. They've, They've had 13 tackles for loss in two games already. That's a that's big for Wisconsin there. It's, they thrive on that. It's what helped lead them to you know being one of the best in the nation in third down con, uh, you know percentage, third down conversions allowed. They have only allowed twenty point eight percent, I believe, of the third downs uh, that they've uh, you know had to take care of. And you know through three games or two games, I should say, they have had seven three and outs each game. 
So 14 altogether uh, when facing Penn State in Eastern Michigan. So uh, that's that's going to be a big key. Uh, Notre Dame, on that matter, has given up four, you know, at least four sacks in each of their first three games. Uh, their stats sheet show 15 uh, in terms of their cumulative team stats going into the season. Although when you add up the game logs, it's kind of a weird thing. I'm just qualifying this that it looks like they had only 14 sacks uh, given up, but still, again, that's why I've used the stat. They've given up at least four in each of the first three games of the year with that offensive line. Uh, that offensive line also hasn't been able to get the run game going uh, and whatnot. And that's going to be a key for Wisconsin always tries to get their run game, you know, the stuff opponents run game. They've been successful. They're number one in the nation in rushing yards allowed at only 33 per game in their first two contests. That's going to be a key matchup uh, there. Stuff the run and then just pin your ears back and see what happens with Nick Herbig, Keanu Benton, Matt Henningsen, uh, you know, and then, of course, inside Leo Chanel, who's returning. For, you know, he'll play in his first game, it appears, uh, going forward. And then Jack Sanborn. Uh, even on the edge, I'm wondering what the secondary does and what Jim Leonard dials up in terms of, of pulling the safeties or corners off the edges to uh, more on that. But it, it will be interesting to see just, uh, you know, who gets pressure. And just if on top of that, you know, this key really goes into turnovers because Wisconsin has not really created sudden change moments, except for the one interception in the second half against <clears throat> Eastern Michigan, which had translated to points uh, off that Dante Burton interception. So to me, that is huge. Uh, sudden change plays will be significant on both sides. Uh, Wisconsin's defense has that opportunity. They have the pressure to make it happen. It will just be, you know, once getting home, can they create fumbles? Can they create errant passes uh, from the arm of Jack Cohn? And can they capitalize from there? So uh, going forward, that's my first key. Uh, the second key for this game for Wisconsin, in my eyes, establishing the run. You know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame gave up 264 yards rushing against Florida State in week one. They have improved against Toledo and Purdue, where giving up 124 yards against the Rockets and then 57 against the Boilermakers. That being said, Toledo had runs of 67 and 26 yards. The latter 26-yard run went for a touchdown in week two. Against Purdue, that, to me, that's not necessarily the greatest sign because Purdue is not known as a running team. On top of that, they're missing Xander Horvath, their starting running back. And so holding them to 57 yards on less than three yards per carry, that, uh, for a team that likes to throw and Purdue threw for over 290 yards against the Fighting Irish last weekend. I, this is going to be a different line that they're going to face. I think Wisconsin's going to have the opportunity to run the ball, and there are three running backs that Notre Dame will have to defend in, in Ches Malusi, Jalen Berger, Isaac Garendo. Those three, I think, can provide nice complement, uh, complementary skill sets to each other. And, you know, I think Wisconsin's going to have a chance to run the ball. Uh, for that matter, I think Notre Dame's averaging, they're allowing just over 145 yards per game on the ground, uh, with their recent performances. But, uh, I think Wisconsin has that chance to, to grind down the game and, you know, run the, you know, create a time of position, uh, disadvantage with, with long drives, but it's going to have to establish a run. I don't mean to overdo that because they are going to have to pass the ball. 
this is going to be a game where we'll see what Graham Mertz and that passing attack can do. Uh, you know, you saw in my eyes a better look for Wisconsin in that aerial attack against Eastern Michigan compared to Penn State, uh, both pass protection wise, where, uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Pro Football Focus credited Penn State with 16 pressures against Merch, which made him feel uncomfortable. And, you know, he had a rough outing against the Nittany Lions in the season opener and uh, throwing those two fourth quarter interceptions. And obviously um, the red zone troubles. We'll get to the red zone troubles in my third key later. But I feel Wisconsin now, you know, with this passing, they'll have to keep the Notre Dame defense honest. We'll see just how they get. Graham Mertz rolling and that offense rolling in the passing game and just timing and location, etc. But I, I think Wisconsin has an opportunity to really, uh, you know, to move the ball and we'll see what uh, strides they've made in that bye week and just uh, what they un- unveil against the Fighting Irish coming up on Saturday. But I think it all does start with the run. It's the bread and butter of the Wisconsin offense. They have three capable backs of doing so. Uh, again, the line depending upon which combinations Joe Rudolph and Paul Christ use, uh, they will have to dominate and, and whatnot. I think the ground game will be key for the Badgers' success on Saturday. The third key in all this, in this game, really in my eyes, folks, is for Wisconsin converting in the red zone and converting on third down. And I'll put those two together. It has not been a good start to Wisconsin that they are ranked as of was yesterday 128th in the nation in red zone offense, converting just five of 10 opportunities that needs to change. And this could be a good week to start for Wisconsin. Why? Because, uh, you know, really you can't have what you saw against Penn state where Wisconsin converted on just one of four red zone chances where one score changes the, the entire outcome of the game uh, and and the win-loss column quite possibly as well. You saw improvements against Eastern Michigan where they converted on four or six opportunities. However, they still left points, you know, on, you know, off the board there where Ches Malusi gets stuffed at the goal line at the one yard line on a fourth down run on the first offensive series for Wisconsin back on September 11th, but then also Chase Wolf drives it. I know it's just the reserves, but Chase Wolf, you know, short arms a throw, gets picked off by an Eastern Michigan defensive back and has returned 98 yards for a touchdown where it looked like it was going to be points on the board there. Another comfortable uh, win for Wisconsin there where, you know, 34 to seven is still comfortable. To me, I felt the score did not represent what happened during the game where Wisconsin really just overwhelmed overall. And there wasn't, not a lot of flair with the offensive game plan for Wisconsin besides just stuffing the ball and in, in just in terms of stuffing the ball down the, the Eagles throat and rolling over them in the running game. But really with, with this game going on, Wisconsin needs to convert inside the 20 yard line, get points on the board. It may, it, to me, this is going to be a low scoring game. I'll give my prediction in just a little bit, but I think in my eyes, it's going to be a very low scoring game there. Um, when it comes to third down, if it, you know, per conversions, Wisconsin only is converting 36.4% of their third down opportunities that needs to change as well. Uh, they need to move the change against 
Northwest, uh, not Northwestern. Well, that that'll be down the road this year. But Notre Dame, they need to take care, uh, you know, of that down and is improve. I mean, Paul Christ called it out during the post game press conference on Saturday. For that matter, Notre Dame needs to. Uh, and that, by the way, for, for Paul, that was the post game press conference against Eastern Michigan. But Notre Dame's allowing about 37% of uh, you know their opponents to move the chains on third down. So it's going to be a matchup where Wisconsin needs to, again, move the chains, get long drives going. That could be through the run, through the pass, somehow quarterback keepers, but on that third down, convert, keep the chains moving. And then on top of that, once they get inside the 20, capitalize, get points. The one thing I would say is a positive out of the, the five scoring opportunities they have capitalized on in the red zone. Four have been touchdowns. I don't know if settling for field goals will be it, uh, will be a positive sign against Notre Dame this week. Uh, but again, uh, getting in the end zone and getting six points on the board, hopefully seven with the extra point, uh, will be huge in soldier field on Saturday. So got a couple more minutes. My X factor already teased it when I was talking to Patrick Engel from blueandgold.com was inside linebacker Leo Chanel. And again, Paul Christ, when I asked him this week, if he felt that Leo Chanel would be full go for both practices and for the game on Saturday, he said, we do. That will be huge because pairing with Sanborn, those are nothing against Mike Masculinus too, because I thought he played very well replacing Chanel Chanel during fall camp had a phenomenal set of practices that when, you know, for those that we viewed as, as the media, it seemed like every practice he was making some way into the backfield, causing disruptions at six two two sixty ish Chanel, it, you know, obviously is a freak athletically. It will be interesting to see how he looks in his first game back. And his, you know, after, you know, he announced on Instagram that, uh, on September 4th, that morning, that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and that he would miss the next two games. And it appears that he will be back. He was on the depth chart this week for, for the Notre Dame game. Uh, you know, he was not listed on the preliminary uh, status report that Wisconsin gave out on Monday as well. So, you know, he's back as you know on the depth chart as the first team inside linebacker right next to Jack Sanborn. If you know, and Colton Bartholomew from the Wisconsin State Journal was on this show, you know, just a few weeks ago talking about how he felt that he would be surprised if Chanel didn't get 10 sacks. Um, there's just a presence about him where, whether a tackle for loss or getting the you know, getting to the quarterback, I think he'll be able to make an impact and create more uh, sudden change opportunities for Wisconsin in terms of takeaways. Um, you know, and I think that he could be a big impact in making Jack Cohn feel very, very uncomfortable and also stuffing that run game that, you know, again, has not been a strong suit for the fighting Irish so far this year. So uh, that's mine. And of course, Patrick mentioned Jack Cohn because he mentioned the run game wasn't great for Notre Dame too. So we're on the same wavelength there. Now we'll just see what uh, transpires on Saturday and hopefully uh, everyone be safe, be well uh, this weekend coming up. Uh, you know, we'll have more from badgerblitz.com. Coming up, uh, obviously, post-game coverage uh, for this week. Even for pre-game coverage, we'll have a couple more articles. I'm going to tease this out. I spoke with Travian Blaylock on, uh, was it Monday afternoon? I'll have an article up tomorrow on Friday at some point just discussing uh, just his journey. Uh, it was a great chat with him. So uh, I'll have that up on the site 
coming up uh, on Friday. And then we'll have our three keys to the game, our game predictions. Uh, right now I'll go 23-17 Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin wins. I think it'll be close. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points involved. So uh, I think, but, you know, Wisconsin's going to have to show that they can convert on third down, convert in the red zone, get points up on the board that way. So uh, on that note, y'all follow us on Twitter at Badger underscore Blitz. Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. For me, at Jake Coco, K-O-C-O. For this podcast, please subscribe. Uh, we got a lot of good things going on with this. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. And then on top of that, too, uh, we'll take it home with this way too, like uh, our YouTube channel. Please subscribe there. Uh, we're nearing 500 subscribers. We're shooting for a thousand by the end of the year. Uh, we got all post-game interviews up on that site, uh, either in 1080p or 4K. If you have a nice smart TV, um, we're trying to. I'm working through that technologically. There may be more coming from our YouTube channel as well as a kind of a teaser for what could come in October uh, as we're working through some things and hopefully a launch of a. Uh, an interesting, I think, another way to cover Wisconsin. On that note, folks, guys, y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you next week here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.